Welcome to The Profitable Way. I am your host, Robin Gooding, and this is a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to do good in the world while pursuing profits and living a rich life. I truly believe that the missing link to multi-passionate, heart-centered entrepreneurs is the intersection of a holistic strategy, an efficient back-end system, and the soul work that focuses on our inner world so that our outer world can flourish. My clients have quit the cubicle, moved overseas for the digital nomad life, more than doubled their income, and expanded their lives using my signature framework that integrates strategy, systems, and soul. If you're looking to clarify your strategy, structure and optimize your systems, and amplify your soul work, you are in the right place. I promise to relentlessly support you making money online, doing what you love, so that you can live your version of an epic and rich life. Hello, welcome to today's episode. We are on episode three, or I should say part three, of the series for May, which is Mastering the Art of Coaching. So the first two episodes are available. If you want to go back and listen to them, you can listen to these episodes out of order. They don't necessarily segue into each other. They're just distinct pillars of mastering the art of being a coach. And today's episode is really focused on things that I've noticed the best coaches I know have in common. And this is an industry I've been around for a while. I hired my very first coach, hmm, would have been 11, maybe even 12 years ago. All right. And pretty much since then, I have had coaches in my life. I've, whether it's in a personal capacity, a professional capacity, a mentorship, I have been around this industry a while. And so there are definite patterns I've noticed that the very best masterful coaches all have in common. And I'm going to share them with you today. Now, this is not a complete list. I could have probably come up with another dozen things that I've noticed, but I didn't want this episode to be two hours long, so we're focused on the ones that I think stand out the most and also are the easiest for you to implement as a new coach or a coach who's just looking to get better. So let's dive in. Now, the very first point I want to make about the best coaches that I know is that they have lived multiple life experiences. I remember being a 20, I think it was 21, a 21 year old and talking with a coach and he was a friend of my family's who had been in this industry a very long time. And he kind of laughed at the 20, 20 something year old coaches that I was talking about. He was in his fifties, I think fifties at the time. And he said, well, no one's going to listen to them if they don't have gray hair. And I was so offended. (laughs) I was like, what are you saying? We have so much to offer. And, you know, just because we haven't lived an extra 30 years doesn't mean that we can't support someone. And I was super, super defensive. 
But now that I am in my 30s, I almost said early 30s, and then I realized, oh my God, I'm turning 34 in a week. (laughs) That's mid-30s. Wow. (laughs) So now that I am almost 34, uh, there is a lot to be said for people who have life experiences. Now, the caveat is that I do think that people can have significant life experiences earlier on in their life. And just because people are older does not mean that they're all of a sudden more wise because it's not just about what happens to you in life. It's about how you work through that, how you learn from it, how you process it, how you navigate your internal landscape. All of that matters, right? And so I'm not going to be ageist in this conversation at all. But I will say that there is absolutely a necessity on having lived experiences on being someone who has been enriched by life and who has received wisdom from going through those experiences. You know, now I've gone through, I've lived all over the world. I've traveled around the world over a dozen times to so many countries. I've pursued multiple qualifications and I've done my master's and I've now been married for a long time, seven, eight years. I've had pregnancies. I've experienced loss. I've had loved ones close to me navigate really awful situations Like there's just things I've gone through since I was 21 years old that have taught me things that no textbook could teach me. And it allows me to bring a different perspective to what my clients are navigating. I have a client in her 50s and I think she's 50, 50 maybe. I don't know. She always says 50s, but she looks really young and she acts really young. So I'm not sure. And she always says, how did you get so wise for your age. And, you know, it's because life has thrown so much at me. And I have this really, really incessant sort of need compulsion (laughs) to sit with the things that are happening with me and to be with my internal world sometimes in a frustrating way for myself, to be honest, there's this relationship with the conscious, the subconscious, the soul, the mind, the emotions, just the human experience, all the different layers of navigating some of life storms that to me is just so beautiful in its rawness. And I can't process things until I've sat with them and, and really soaked them up. And so the people I've surrounded myself with who I consider to be masterful coaches, they have lived these experiences and they have processed them and and received things from them that allow them to bring fresh perspectives to the conversations they're having, to bring lived and embodied wisdom. And their character has been tested and stretched and solidified by the choices that they've made about who they are, not just when times are good or neutral, but especially in the storms. 
And this is actually why it saddens me when clients I work with hold themselves back, whether it's imposter syndrome or they feel the need to hide behind hundreds of qualifications or whatever it is. So much of who you are as a coach comes from the life you've lived. And you are enough when you bring your wholeness and your life wisdom and you bring who you are to a coaching container, something really magical happens. Now, personally, and I know many coaches don't believe in all the certifications and things. I do. I actually really do believe in certifications and regulations. And I'm not saying that you have to have a certification to be a great coach. No. But I've I've received so much wisdom from these programs because I love to learn and I've received so much from people who have different experiences than I have. They've given me so much that I'm able to bring as a skill to my craft. So personally, I have invested in multiple coaching certifications every year since embarking on this path. I have invested in my own education and skill set. But what I bring to the table is more than this qualification resume because my life is full and my lived experiences have taught me more than any program or textbook ever has. And these experiences have shaped me. When I bring this to a container, that's what makes me me, right? And so the best coaches really lean into this as they support their clients. They lean into their wisdom. They lean into their life experiences and they lean into the fact that the wisdom and and the things that they've navigated in life are part of the qualifications of being a masterful coach. That's, That's the university of life. All right. The second thing is the masterful coaches I know don't just ask powerful questions. So you see this a lot. People will say, ask the right questions, ask powerful questions. Yeah, that's important. But it's about knowing which questions to ask at which moment. And the best coaches ask the right questions at the right moment. Because a masterful coaching session is more than the question or the questions. There's context, there's nuance, there's pauses, there's body language, there's the unsaid. So much goes into a conversation beyond a powerful question. And the entire ebb and flow of the conversation is masterful with the best coaches because they are fully present with their client while also being able to connect multiple things in really masterful ways. And by leaning into the ebb and flow of the conversation, it's their way of knowing the power of their work and trusting the process, but trusting the client in the client's process. So it's not the deliberate question or the manipulative question or the assumption in a question. It's really about the whole conversation. And the best coaches are masterful at the conversation. My next point is masterful coaches know how to slow things down. Early stage coaches want to have all the answers for their client. 
They want their client to walk away from every session with a mic drop moment. (laughs) They feel so much pressure because they're putting the spotlight on themselves and how they're going to perform. Masterful coaches are not afraid to slow things down, to invite the client into deeper reflection and resonance. These coaches do not think that the spotlight is on them. It's really about the client's exploration, not the coach's mic drop moment. And personally, I've witnessed powerful coaching sessions where the coach is such a master at like really slowing things down at really inviting the client to look at the things that they're not wanting to look at, the bypassing to reframe this sense of rushing and urgency where there's almost like this sense of chaos and panic. The masterful coaches, no matter how difficult the conversation is, no matter how raw the client may be in the session, they're not flaming the crisis fires. They're pulling things back. They're slowing things down. They're getting to what really matters. And they're not making the client feel rushed in getting to where that clarity is. And this takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of confidence to trust the process and to slow things down to the point where sometimes the client's like, what are we even, like, where are we going? (laughs) You know, and I've seen... I'm I'm thinking of one very specific experience right now where she was one of my mentors and she was just, she is just such an incredible coach and witnessing the session, there was almost like this, like real sense that the whole session could literally be just a few questions of exploration and really processing and sitting with them. And the client really wanted to rush to the end. The client really wanted to have things fixed, right? And especially when clients bring difficult and challenging and raw situations to a session, there can be that sense like, save me, fix this. Like, what do I do? Give me the answers. And so the masterful coach will slow things down and remind the client of their power and the the resource that they have within themselves and the wisdom that's already there. And it's just this really beautiful calm that really descends into the session because the coach is holding that space. They're not getting caught up in the frenzy. My next point is masterful coaches are intentional, disciplined, and devoted to their work and their business. What do I mean by this? Well, these coaches do not expect opportunities, clients, or business growth to fall out of the sky. And sometimes it does feel like this happens for them often because They are so embodied in their magnetism and they can draw people in very organically. So some of these areas may feel quite easy for these coaches, but they are so deeply devoted to being excellent at their craft and 
making intentional moves in their business. So they don't say things like, I just want to serve clients. I don't want to run a business, which I hear a lot. (laughs) And they don't say that because they recognize that their business is the vehicle by which they get to serve clients. And so they're devoted to their craft and to their business growth. And that means that sometimes they have to ask for help and they're not afraid to do that. They're not afraid to hire the experts in areas, especially in their business where they don't feel competent or perhaps they don't even have capacity for. They're world-class coaches who surround themselves with a world-class team because they know that their business is how they make a difference with their clients. And they don't leave that up to chance. My next point is something I've really been sitting with for a while, actually, and it's the sense of entitlement almost. So clients will, you know, or not even clients, I'll just see people, I'll have sales calls or conversations with and they're fairly new coaches and they'll say things like oh I just graduated I'm so excited I started my Instagram account last month but I haven't been able to find any clients right and there's the sense of like if it hasn't happened in a hot minute there's something wrong like why hasn't it happened and what I've noticed about the masterful coaches is that they don't really respond to their business from this place of entitlement. They really act like leaders and they go first before they ever expect their community to show up. They do, right? They don't expect their community to ask the question first or to ask to get on a call first or to show up for an offer before they've really poured a lot of love and energy into launching that offer and sharing it with their community. They go first. They take action decisively and they're not easily distracted. They show up when nobody is clapping. They show up when nobody is watching. They show up when they don't even know if anybody is going to say, I'm in. They go first. They lead. And they lead even if they're not sure who is going to follow. But they go first. And this is really, I think, one of the biggest markers of someone who's going to have a successful business is they are not afraid of fully wholeheartedly devotedly showing up for their work, for their people without expectation that it should all happen overnight. So personally or professionally, they go first. I have two more points. So the second last point is that they embrace white space and they value originality. So white space is essential because we're all surrounded by so much noise. And, you know, before we're even fully conscious of it, we're starting to sound like the person whose podcast we binge and the person whose Instagram posts are most often in our feed and the coach who we most admire. And the book we're reading and all of the things that we're pouring into ourselves, which in and of themselves are wonderful, but we have to take space away from that to really 
tap into our own truth, our own voice, our own essence of who we are, what we want to say, and how we want to say it. So masterful coaches are intentional about their white space, whether it's to process their own healing, to be with themselves, to disconnect from the noise, to ground themselves, to charge their own energy supplies, or to just have time to think and explore and get curious about perspectives from this place that they're able to create original art, original pieces of work that become their body of work. And this also means that when they connect with that truth of what they want to say, they, they say it, they express the truth and they honor the truth over the need to be popular. It's not a popularity contest and they, they don't buy into that. They honor the truth. And it translates into their coaching style too, because they honor their coaching style, even if it's different from the school they trained at, even if it's different from their own mentors or people they've worked with who they admire. They show up from their own essence and they offer coaching from that place. They offer their original thoughts from that place and that's how they stand out. Lastly, they have clear boundaries and they enforce them. (laughs) So this is true even for clients who are paying at the highest level, the highest ticket coaching you could think of. Their coaches are holding clear boundaries. I don't care if you're paying $100,000 a year to your coach or a million dollars a year to your coach. They're going to have boundaries and they're going to honor them. And the best coaches I know communicate their boundaries clearly and they honor them fully. And this is very, very challenging for early stage coaches who often fall into the people-pleasing, worthiness, fawning response. And so if you're struggling with that, let me just remind you that world-class coaches all have boundaries, all enforce them, and it is safe for you to do that too. It is safe for you to honor yourself. And by honoring your boundaries, you're also modeling something really, really healthy for your clients. They feel safer when they know that they can trust that you're going to honor your boundaries, they feel safer to really fully play within the space of your coaching container. All right. So that's some of the the things that I've realized masterful coaches have in common. I'll summarize them briefly here for you again. So they bring multiple life experiences and embodied wisdom to the table. They don't just ask powerful questions, but they ask the right questions at the right time. They slow things down. They are intentional, disciplined, and devoted to their craft and their business. They don't expect their community to go first. They go first. They embrace white space and they value originality. And lastly, they have clear boundaries and they enforce them. 
Thank you for joining us for part three of the series. And I hope that you will join us next week for part four of the series of Mastering the Art of Coaching. I so appreciate you being here today and I will connect with you next week. I'm Robin Gooding and you've been listening to the Profitable Way podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at robin.gooding and join the Facebook community through the link in my Instagram bio. It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe, rate, and review this episode so that I can continue to share this message with other entrepreneurs looking to pursue their dream online. I hope you'll join in next week for another episode, and I hope that you always remember that the best is yet to come.